KCLR with Sinead Kew. Lots coming up on the show today. We have Tommy Murphy is going to be uh, talking to us about Puck Fodder competition that took place in Carlow at the weekend. I'm also going to be speaking as well to Molly Scott who was pipped to the post at the National Track and Field Championships yesterday. Uh, we'll also be talking to Willie Quinlan about that controversial eye gouging incident in Crow Park yesterday. Um, and I'll be talking as well to our very own uh, Casey Lurk Camogie commentator Anya Fahi as well uh, about all the Camogie action at the weekend. But first I'm joined on the line now uh, by Tommy Murphy. As I said, he was at the uh, Puck Fada competitions, the Leinster stages of the Puck Fada competitions in Carlow at the weekend. Um, and he joins me on the line now. Uh, Tommy, how are you getting on? Not too bad at all, Sinead. Not too bad at all. Survived, survived after Saturday, after a fantastic, uh, after a fantastic day for the Leinster, um, Hurling and Camogie Puck for the Sinead. Yeah, and tell me how how did it go, Tommy? It was the first time for um, Carlo, first time for say our county to host it. Uh, over the years, like um, Puck Father would have been maybe decided on a GA ground with the best of three shots, uh, say from the 14-yard line right down in the field, and whoever had the best of three shots. And then they went on to the All Ireland, and I'll come to that in a minute. But it was very, very good. Very windy, very trying conditions, but this was where all the competitors really showed true grit and strength, Sinead. Um, particularly the under-16 Camogie girls and the under-16 boys, and then the senior Camogie girls and the senior um, the senior men as well. Nearly all counties was represented. Um, there was one or two that wasn't there. But certainly it was a fantastic competition. The course now would be probably a mile and a half, maybe two miles long. Uh, right up Sleeve Barn for anyone that would have many, many uh, people would know Sleeve Barn from the Nine Stones. It's the one on the right and you um, went up, there's a Cairden I suppose about a mile up there and they went down possibly another half mile past that. Well the seniors did, the, the under 16 turned at that Cairden and came back. But when they were up there, um, particularly the under 16, the weather was fine but the wind was something, it certainly was more than gale force, um, Sinead. Yeah, and that's and something like, especially in a puck fodder competition, like you don't want to hear that, you know, that it's uh, that, that it's going to be really windy up there because of course that's going to uh, impede your play a lot, like when you're, because the whole aim of the game is to try and poke the ball as far down uh, the field as you can. Well, that's true. Now, uh, the course, the course would be very, very good, and the competitors liked it. Even though it would be a tough course, you were poking the ball up the hill, and you were kind of keeping it as much to the left as possible. And yet, the wind would take it right across. Now, some got very good. Some then decided to go low, send the shots low, not too high, not up in the air. And I suppose. Um, the under-16 winner, which was Amy Lacey from Leash, I think she probably was uh, had great experience for uh, a young Camogie uh, player. She was going off course, and a lot of people was going off course. Matter what way did puck the ball? The wind seemed to be carrying it away from where they wanted to go, which would make the course longer, and then they'd have more shots. But she just, what you would say, took a right-angled shot. Didn't um, make any ground, but all of a sudden she was back onto the path where, where she wanted to be. Um, but it was a great competition. Um, in the senior one, the senior was very, very good too, both with uh, 
the, and I, I must say that the boys and girls started together. The boys started first in the under 16 and then the girls, and the same in the senior. One was at 11 o'clock, Sinead, and the other was at 2 o'clock. And it went right through, but they were very, very happy. I think it was 40 pucks uh, in the... I think it was somewhere around 40, 41 pucks was the uh, winner. Not sure what uh, Killian had in the senior. And I don't think the Camogie was much different. Mm. Now, the reason how you would know the weather was bad because in the county final, and a few people had done the course after, and the best they were able to get out of it on a clear even would be 33 pokes. Right, so you can okay. imagine that it took seven extra pokes with the... Uh, with, uh, with the wind. With the great camaraderie between all the counties and all the competitors and uh, so forth. And they were all treated then in Michel Community Centre after to a, a great meal. Ah, very good. Suppose, Tommy, sorry, can I just actually ask you, right, before we go any further, because my memories of the Puck Fada is from when, you know, in school and when you're playing it uh, maybe at a sports day. And I know you mentioned 40 pucks there, but my memory of Puck Fada, and maybe just to explain how it's judged now or how it's kind of measured, but what I remember is that you'd have, like you might kind of have three opportunities to hit the ball as, as far as you can, and then you'd have someone putting down a marker down and then that's kind of how it was judged but yeah can you just kind of talk through how it works now yeah uh, there was a slightly funny side to that as well you are you're really correct there Sinead that's how it was done for many years uh, probably in all counties around probably at the uh, Jordan um, maybe the day of a big match at half time or after the after a game and the clubs lined up say on the 14 yard line and the hit an almighty shot down the field and wherever um, uh, uh, the ball, the slitter landed, there was a marker put down for that player. The next player took it and whoever hit was the, had the best of three shots. There was three, everyone got three shots and whoever had the best was deemed the winner. But that caused problems as well, Sinead, because that was done in Crow Park. The Leinster final was in Crow Park for many years and it was lovely, it was lovely grass. And maybe wives, girlfriends and family and friends and all and all in lovely good clothes but then when the winners were announced and you had to head on to the Cooley Mountains well there was no use going there with high heel shoes or Definitely <laughs> stuff not, like that no. it was different but people very quickly got into it how it works um, all competitors get three balls three stitters and they're not to lose them Even if they lose a slitter they drop a shot and they're to put the course. The course is marked out, and they know exactly where they're going. And they'll put the ball as far as ever they can, as far as ever they can, using all their experience. Go to a certain distance and turn around. When all are at that distance, turn around. Everything possibly is measured at that stage, and come right back. And it's the competitor, competitor with the least number of shots is the is deemed the winner. Sinead. Um, All right, okay. That kind of seems like a fairer way to do it as well, Tommy. Um, just before before I let you go there, I just uh, want to ask you, can you remind us when are the finals happening? I know that you mentioned there what? the Cooley Mountains. When are they, when are they taking yeah, place? Yeah, well, I'd just like to congratulate, uh, just like to congratulate Killian Phelan from the, uh, I'm just going to the adult hall and Killian Phelan uh, from the Clara Club in Kilkenny. And I was thinking that... Uh, Killian won it as well from the Clara Club for one for a reason that and it was a nice tribute that Lester Ryan was remembered uh, uh, at the presentation um, and Lester 
the late Leicester would have done so much for the puck father uh, back through the years. And we, we, you know, he was it was nice to remember him uh, on the at the Nine Stones on Saturday. Now the winners was uh, in the senior adult uh, was Killian uh, feeling from the Sarah Club in Kenny, and Brian Tracy of Carlow was second. So those two will go through. Uh, those two are going to uh, the Pukfada in the Coley Mountains. Now in the under sixteen hurling, um, in the under sixteen, it went to uh, the first place went to Dara Smith from uh, the Piercing Westmead. So he will be going there. Now coming to the girls in the under sixteen Camogie, it went to Amy Lacey of Leash Harp. She's the girl that uh, will be representing. Um, uh, she's representing at Leash in um, the under-16. And in the senior camogie, Carla Girl, her second time to win a Leinster Championship, and that's Tracy McNally. And Tracy, for many years, her sister did win Leinster's and won in All-Ireland some years ago. So Tracy is following in good footsteps. Tracy, is, um, her, she won her second Leinster title. The last one was in 2018, and she's heading to the Coley Mountains as well. Ah, so that's fantastic. the August weekend. That's the August weekend, um, Sinead. That's the August weekend on the Coley Mountains. And the Co- it started 40 years ago, 1942 years ago, 1980. A priest started this just to raise funds for, um, and it took off after that. Decided that it put the ball from from Dundalk uh, to Armagh. And I think yeah, either Drogheda uh, to Armagh or Dundalk to Armagh, as Cullen did in days of old. So that's how it all came into being. But it was on, on uh, the Nine Stones on Sunday. And everything went well ah. went on Saturday and everything went well. And a sincere thanks to all the people. And especially the clubs, yeah. Sinead, um, Michael Camogie Club, Burn Rangers Camogie Club and St Mullins GA Club, they provided stewards and markers. And to all the organising committee, I think it was a great day. I think the people from all the counties enjoyed it. Yeah, no, from, from anyone that I was speaking to now, they all seem to have a thoroughly enjoyable day. And well done to you, Tommy, as well, for, for your involvement and on all the organising uh, that went into that. But listen, I'm going to have to leave it there. I'm really sorry, Tommy. Um, we'll, we'll have to leave it there. I'm going to be joined now in a couple of minutes by Anya Fahey to talk about Camogie. But it's well, been I'm lovely, just lovely to speak to you. Go, Sinead, and it's this. As we have, where we are right in the way, Wexford is on our left-hand side. Kilkenny is on our right-hand side. Is there a possible chance that a poke father could happen between the three counties, uh, happen uh, involving the three counties and just cross Mount Leinster? Ah, uh, sure. Look, you know that I'll be back in the Elabellies anyway, Tommy. <laughs> well, listen, thanks so much, Tommy. I'll be chatting to you again soon, but thanks for the update on that. Thanks, All right, Thank thanks you. a million. Bye bye. That was uh, Tommy Murphy there, KCLR commentator, just filling us in on everything that happened uh, this weekend in the Leinster stages of the Puck Fada. We're going to take a quick break now, but coming up after the break, I'm going to be talking to KCLR's very own Anya Fahi about Kilkenny's great win in the Camogie Championship at the weekend. That's coming up right after these. Full time on KCLR. With thanks to the full range of Volkswagen vehicles at Lahartz, the home of Volkswagen in Kilkenny, lahartzvolkswagen.ie. Full time on KCLR. With thanks to the full range of Volkswagen vehicles at Lahartz, the home of Volkswagen in Kilkenny, lahartzvolkswagen.ie. 
Welcome back to Full Time with myself, Sinead Kyo. Now, Kilkenny had a convincing win over Offaly in the Senior Camogie Championship on Saturday. Joining me now to discuss this is KCLR Camogie commentator and Come On Kind podcaster, Anya Fahi. Anya, how are you getting on? Yeah, good, Sinead. And yourself? Good, not too bad. Um, as I mentioned there in the in the intro, Anya, great win for Kilkenny over the weekend. Um, now, they, they went at it full tilt, but even though I think this was kind of a game that they would have expected to win, but it was very much kind of a sense of job done, I think, after the final whistle, wasn't it? I suppose listen for Kilkenny they wanted to keep up their 100% record and you know you can't be confident and winning is a habit and I suppose going into their next game against Galway which is now going to be a top of the table clash you need all the confidence you can get going into that you know we have to remember that Galway are the current reigning All-Ireland champions so Kilkenny are going to have to have their homework done and you know they're going to relish in the opportunity to come up against Galway um, I think in you know for the Offaly match yeah it was really a sense of Kilkenny should win the, should win the game and should win the game comfortably there's probably a few areas that they will want to improve on coming into the Galway game but I think overall I think Kilkenny will be very happy with their performance I think they took some incredible scores really really well like you look at it all there you had seven guys that got off onto the scoreboard quite early in the game Denise Gall was influential on her freeze as she has been all year long Katie Nolan got into it so quick like there was one stage I was like I was kind of a bit worried about her I was like oh no Like I feel like there's something missing from her and next thing it's like she heard her and she just took off there she got 2-1 um, you know played really really well Julianne Malone got in there with a goal and a point as well and Miriam Walsh Katie Power Michaela Keneally absolutely brilliant to see her back in the black and amber something that Kilkenny I felt were probably missing just her physicality and her strength and well able to win the dirty ball and you know she does so much like hard work off the ball and it was probably an ingredient that Kilkenny were missing in the forwards and she slotted in there perfectly and I don't, I don't think she's only back in there a week or so you know back in training with the squad so it's great to see her back there as well. Yeah and the team is really clicking and I know that yourself and Martin mentioned in the commentary uh, yesterday that you know you're really impressed by their dis- distribution of the ball how they're using the ball um, and they're just really resourceful Mm -hmm. and I know one phrase that you used yesterday which I really liked as well it was never a case of kind of hit and hope Mm -hmm. do you know everything about their play now is very systematic isn't it? Yeah it is like everything they're doing is done it's so structured Um, like their passes are so precise it's straight into the hand or it's a low ball or it's into space like it's everything that they're doing is calculated and they're clearly working on this at training which is great to see you know they're starting to a couple of girls put their hand up for you know for the, that starting 15 jersey as well which is great to see but Kilkenny I think they're definitely coming good at the right time they're peaking just in time for knockout championship and I think next weekend against Galway it's going to be an absolute cracker of a game for them Yeah and, and I know you mentioned Galway and they're kind of uh, they're joint now are they joint mm-hmm. kind of at, on, on points and um, they've both won kind of four out of four Yeah. so this is the big one now next weekend Yeah this is the big one I suppose like at the start of the championship this is probably the game that everybody was really looking forward to you probably would have expected both Kilkenny and Galway to be in this position come the, you know the, the end stage of the of the group stages there and both teams winning four out of four games and you know quite comfortably realistically in a lot of the games for the both teams so I suppose for Kilkenny to really see where they are and for Galway to see where they are this is probably the test that they need just before they get into knockout stage regardless of what happens whether it's a win lose or a draw both Kilkenny and Galway are qualified it's just to see who's going to go to the semi-final or who's going to go to the quarter final Yeah actually just remind us of that again so it's a case that if Kilkenny win next it's Saturday if they Mm -hmm. win on Saturday 
they're straight through to a semi yeah. if they draw or if they lose it's a quarter final it's a quarter final placement for them and I suppose like the advantage to the advantage to get into the semi final is they're going to have probably three four weeks where they're going to be able to just get as much bodies recovered because it has been a very hectic last couple of weeks for all the girls like they've been constantly playing games week in week out they've rarely had a week off you know and you know, I suppose you throw the Leinster Championship into that as well where they were kind of on the road three weeks in a row and you know the, the long journeys that they had to make as well between Antrim and Down it's obviously going to take its toll on the girls too so if they can get out of Galway with a win on Saturday they're going straight through to a semi-final if they lose they will go to the quarter-final in saying that I would often feel that a quarter final might benefit a team as well. Okay, I know you're not getting as much rest as you as the team would like, but you know, you're still getting those competitive games and I think that's what you want. You don't want to be really rusty the day of an all Ireland semi final. So a quarter final could definitely suit suit the team. It seemed to have shown that way in the minor championship this year. The teams that played the quarter final went on to win it and the teams that went straight to the semi final were unfortunately just a little bit rusty on the day. Yeah, and I know that that's something that we've uh, we've spoken about a good bit on full time over the last couple of weeks. Like kind of just questioning is it better to go through the quarter final route because mm. as you say competitive games might stand to you um, even even kind of with uh, regard to Kilkenny facing Clare in the Hurling Championship next weekend as yeah. well you know uh, Kilkenny going straight through to uh, a semi-final Clare had, having to go through the uh, the quarter final so yeah it's, it's kind of hard to, to tell what's the best route to go but I'm sure Brian Dowling no matter what, you're going to want to win that yeah. that game uh, on Saturday. But look, we're we're definitely looking forward to that one. It's it's sure to be. It's probably pipped to be the the game of the season so far. So hopefully, it kind of lives up to those expectations. But uh, listen, Anya, thanks so much for no, joining me in studio today, and we'll we'll Great. chat to you again soon. All things Camogie. Uh, we're going to take a, a quick break now, and coming up after the break, I'm going to be talking to a uh, Carlo legend Willie Quinlan about that controversial eye gouging incident in Croke Park yesterday. Yesterday, so don't go anywhere. Full time on KCL or with thanks to the full range of Volkswagen vehicles at Lahartz, the home of Volkswagen in Kilkenny, LahartzVolkswagen.ie. Full time on KCL or with thanks to the full range of Volkswagen vehicles at Lahartz, the home of Volkswagen in Kilkenny, LahartzVolkswagen.ie. Welcome back to Full Time with myself, Sinead Kyo. And um, Now, as I mentioned just before the break now, I'm going to be joined by Carlo football legend Willie Quinlan to discuss that very controversial eye-gouging incident in Crow Park yesterday for the All-Ireland quarter-final between Armagh and Galway. Uh, so, Willie, you're very welcome to the show. How are you keeping? Not so bad, Sinead. Thank you very much. Good, good. Um, Willie, as I mentioned there, kind of in, in the um, in the intro there, uh, very disappointing to see, you know, what we all kind of witnessed on our on our television screens yesterday. Um, uh, kind of a kerfuffle. That's what we thought it was only going to be. It was only going to maybe boil, boil down to kind of handbag stuff there. But it actually turned out to be a lot more sinister. What was what was your kind of thoughts on the incident? Yeah. And, you know, Sinead, it's, it's probably one of the best games of the year as regards football. Um, both teams really went for it. It looked like Galway was after after winning the game. They went four or five points up, and in fairness, Arma uh, two high balls into the square ended up getting two goals, and that draw. But the point by Reno O'Neill was was fabulous at the end to draw it. But then, obviously, you know, coming off the field, and uh, as you said, it seemed to be just a, a little bit of handbags pushing and shoving. But when guys get together. And and there was, I suppose, 15 from each team and even more because the guy that put the hand up to the face, uh, he wasn't even part of the squad on the day. So he wasn't part of the 24. 
and he ended up, it looked really, really bad. It could have been a lot worse. He definitely put fingers, you know, in into the face of the, the goal player, the full forward, I'm, I'm sure it was. Yeah, and, and like uh, like you were saying, Willie, like it was, and I, I was talking to the lads about this earlier on, um, and even to Shane yesterday, I was I was in here doing producing on, on um, Scoreline, and we were having a chat in advance of the Armagh game, and he was asking me, are you looking forward to it? And I said, yeah, because, do you know, Armagh play a very kind of positive style of, of football, a really nice brand of football, um, and, and so do Galway. And I said, I, I think this is actually going to be a very good game. And it turned out to be a fantastic game. And as you said, probably the best football game that we've seen in years. And it's just a shame that it was kind of overshadowed um, by what we saw there just before they went into the tunnel there at, uh, you know, after um, full time of normal time. Yeah, it, it, I mean, there were scenes that that nobody wants to see after the game. After the game, I suppose after seventy minutes, there was there was going to be extra time, and there was a, a little bit of a coming together. Probably, probably from one point of view, uh, GA may look at, uh, at if it is extra time or even half time, uh, separate dressing rooms. That and there is separate dressing rooms in Croke Park, one at each side. So one team should be delegated to one side and one team should, to the other. I know it, it shouldn't have to come to that, but. If that's the case, just to keep players because tensions are high, nobody wants to lose. It's a really tight game. Um, Armagh were obviously buzzing at the, at the last couple of minutes because of the the point from I suppose it was nearly fifty meters out by by Reno Neal from a free. So they they would have been uh, hyper anyway going in. Um, something probably was said, a little bit of pushing, but nobody expected I suppose the scene that that happened. The only thing about it is Sinead, uh you can't do anything now in Croke Park or any of these big stadiums without being seen. There's cameras everywhere. So even though the guy wasn't wearing a jersey, he didn't have a number, everybody knows who he was. So he's go- he's going to get a, a fairly hefty suspension, I would imagine. And um, it'd be disappointed, you know, for him and for Armagh because they had a great season and it was a fantastic game, probably probably the game of the season definitely definitely one of them anyway yeah and and like you would kind of wonder like you know what sanctions are going to be handed down to this player and uh, as you said there as well like he wasn't even uh, part of the match day squad like he was an untogged sub uh, so maybe I, I don't know it just kind of it's so bizarre like um, what happened but actually I do have a clip now of uh, Kieran McGinney's kind of reaction after um, after that game and he was interviewed by a BBC report and it was there was kind of a tense exchange between the two, but we'll just have a bit of a listen to this now, um, yeah. uh, William. We'll I'll just get your thoughts on it. Those things shouldn't happen, definitely shouldn't. But I, I think it's there's a few simple things we could do to stop it. Like they shouldn't be going in together at half time. Like I know how it started, but that thing, like you know, once it starts, then it can get out of control. Um, it's just it's not a nice part and I, I, I wouldn't want to see it but again then trial by social media like is a is a very poor way to go I showed the last time but people had sat there and actually watched the video they might have got it right instead but of listening to people as well as adults is there not an onus on a player to recognise well what happens if somebody pushes you do you push back well, I, I, no, but I'm just. What, what would you do? In this instance. No, what would you do? In this instance. What would you do? In this instance. What would you? Do? I'm asking. I'm just. It's a very simple question. If somebody pushed you, would you push them back? And, and this I know. It's, it's a yes or no. Well, it's not. It's, it is. It is. If somebody pushes you, I'm just. It's a very, like, you, you can't look for headlines if you're not going to. You're not going to ask. If you're not going to answer my questions, why should I answer yours? Because I'm not here to ask answer questions. I'm here to ask. But, 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 but am I not allowed to ask one? 
mean, I'm here to ask questions. I'm not here to answer them. I don't think people want to hear my opinion but, on but, it. But I'm asking you as a person, just a very simple question. Well, it would depend on the circumstances, and it would depend, I suppose, on the lead that I was given from maybe so the manager and equivalent in that situation. But you're saying that they're going to have to. I'm just asking you as a person. If someone pushed me? Yeah. Well, it just depends on the circumstances. It's not as cut and dried or black and white as that. But I am asking you, right, in the context of what you saw there, and you're saying simple things could have been done. Do you as a manager say to your team, step back? Do you as a manager say to your team, don't engage there? Or do you use that of to course. authorities? Of course you do. Did you not see me doing it? No, I didn't. I didn't. No. There you go. Maybe you should, you should be one of the ones who watched the video. Uh, no, and I, I will. But fair play to you. To, to be fair, you've said you're taking that as it shouldn't happen. It hasn't happened. So would you now call on the GAA to, to address the point you're making of saying we can do something simple? If everybody's treated in the same way. Do you feel you've been mistreated? No, I... Every question is going to be answered with another one. I said, if everybody's treated fairly, if everybody who pulls or pushes and starts something like that there, then yeah. Yeah, that was a very kind of defensive uh, Armagh manager there, Kieran McGinney. Um I don't know what, what you, you thought of that there, uh, Willie, but yeah, it seemed to me that uh, he seemed to imply that not both, like both teams weren't really treated fairly. I, I don't really know if I agree with him there. What about you? Um, I I agree with certain things that he's saying, and he's probably right. He asked the question: If you were pushed, would you push back? Mm-hmm. If, if you're if you're a player, you don't want to show weakness, whether it's going off the field or whether it's on the team. So obviously, you you would push back. That's that's without a doubt. Any any player that would say, I know he's not a player; he's a reporter that he's asking him. But anybody that played football or any kind of sport, if if you're royal the way you know, if you get a push, you're obviously going to push back. I think what he's saying is what we refer to as regards teams going in uh, one side and they don't have to meet then going into the same dressing room. So that's up to the GEA to look after that and allow allow teams to go into different sides. It probably will happen maybe in, in the future. It's not something that should happen. But how the other thing I was looking at, and I'm after looking at it a hundred times and I watched the match. Uh, I watched the match live and then I watched it again last night and watched a bit of it today as well. How they picked out the two players that they picked out it's beyond belief because I I clearly watched the fullback uh, Kelly I think for uh, uh, Galway and he certainly didn't lay a hand on anybody. In fact, he was he was um, the peacemaker. He was going around taking guys uh, away from the away from each other. He was trying to step in a uh, big man. I definitely didn't see him touching anybody. How they could give him a raise? And I think it was thirteen. The vice captain from Armagh. I'd nearly say the same for him. So. You know, last night looking at the at RT on on the Sunday game, you could have you could have probably picked out twelve players to be sent off if you were going to send off two. So possibly they were wrong. I know they have they have to show something, but if yeah. they were, weren't going to send off the twelve, why why would you send off two two guys that probably possibly were least involved in the whole? Yeah, I I know what you mean. Like, as in to single out players, and for anyone that was watching it on TV, like you could you could actually pick out probably about thirty people that were involved, including yeah, you, you know, including a sub. Sure, it was a sub. It was a um, an untogged sub that actually uh, was involved in the eye eye gouging. Um, so yeah, like it's very hard to kind of kind of single out yeah, uh, two hard, players. Hard to single out one, and, mm. and that particular guy seen the. And there was more of them, possibly from the Galway side as well. But they had to run a hundred yards to get down to where they were, so they they weren't even involved, you know, in, in the game as such. They were never going to be on the field because they weren't talked out. So they're not in the first twenty-four, and they ended up on the pitch where where you know it should never have happened. So 
there's lots there's lots to look at. There definitely will be suspensions. Um, how many or who? But definitely that guy that that gouged um, the, the full forward, the Galway full forward. I know he's definitely going to receive. Uh, yeah, Damien uh, Damien Comer, yeah, isn't it? Damien Comer, yeah. yeah. And, and I I think Comer is such a big and strong and physical man, and I don't think they could move him. So I think he felt this is the only way to move him to to the hands in the face and to coach him that way because he definitely wasn't. He wasn't pushing Comer over the way. None of them were budging. But um, it's an unfortunate thing to happen. Uh, and it's something that we are seeing a lot more of. I think Armagh, if I'm not mistaken, Armagh and Donegal at the end of a game, or it could be Armagh and Tyrone at the end of a game, something similar happened. And there was four or five suspensions during the league. It ended up on the sideline. It ended up one guy being thrown out uh, nearly into the stand. Um, it seemed like handbags at the time, but... It doesn't look very good for for our national sport, you know, our, our our Gaelic football, especially when there's kids around or kids watching. Yeah, so exactly. The GA definitely have to do something about it. Yeah, they certainly have to address it. Um, and I know you were saying there as well, Willie, that like there are dressing rooms on either side. There's there's dressing rooms underneath the Cusack stand as well. Now I remember I used to work in Crow Park. Now the only thing about it is, but look, they just have to kind of compromise this. Um, now you might remember from your time uh, playing as well. Underneath the Cusack stand, they're they're the really old dressing rooms, and then they kind of have the newer dressing rooms over at the um, underneath the Hogan stand. And maybe they kind of feel like, oh well, sure, if you put one of the teams over at the far side, that's an unfair advantage. You know the way, because all these little small things. But look, if it pre- prevents an incident like that, then it's well worth you know looking looking into that. But um, another yeah, thing, well, I, yeah, I suppose, sorry, sorry to put into it, but but um, I suppose the first thing you could leave both teams to come onto the field because there is a warm-up area you know in the proper dressing rooms there's probably not you know going back to our time there's probably not a, a warm-up but you could toss maybe you know in the, in the case of, of extra time if the t- teams are coming off the off the pitch one team has to has to go to the left one has to go to the right and that could be tossed for there's not they're not going to be warming up or warming down in the dressing room at extra time it's just, you're going to sit for five minutes have a chat get get your liquids in and probably look at maybe videos or one thing or another, whatever to have. Uh, but definitely, uh, they have to look at something if you're coming in off the pitch at, at either at extra time. Maybe just keep the team separated. It'd be a good idea. Another thing, I suppose, that was a big talking point yesterday, Willie, was how the game was decided on penalties. What What was your kind of thoughts on that? It seems like a very unfair way to be knocked out of the championship. Yeah, I, I again, I listened to Pat Spillane and totally against it. And I think. It, it's right. It's it's a great way for Galway to win to win to get into the semi final, but it's a shocking way for Armagh to lose and to go to the championship. Why anybody couldn't say right? Listen, lads, you've had a fantastic game, probably the game of the of the, of the tournament so far. Let's let's go to a replay. Let's go to a replay next Saturday and do it all again. They'd probably fill the fill Croke Park again, or maybe sixty, seventy thousand. I know it was. Yeah, it seems like a, a no-brainer, really, doesn't it? Yeah, that, that, you know, like even for revenue be. for the GAA, like. Without, yeah, without a doubt, it, it would be a, a great idea. I know they're talking about player overload and and one thing or another, but I'd say the two teams that are involved would never have said no if, if we said, right, lads, we're going to replay next Saturday. I'd say rather than right, do your extra time, still, still level. Let's not go to penalties. Let's go, not go down the soccer route that we're, we're deciding on penalties because you can see, that, you know, this pure disappointment in the two guys that missed for for Armagh. It's it's not an easy place to be, and I'm sure today they're they're thinking about it. I know they won't be blamed for losing it. That 
there was, there's other little things that they could have won the match maybe in normal time or one thing or another in extra time and they didn't but it's just a shocking way to lose the game yeah, and I think they kind of just ran out of steam in extra time as well. I, I do think that Galway were deserved winners, but as you said, like it's not a nice way to be knocked out of the of the championship after, um, you know, all the work that goes in throughout the year, training and otherwise to uh, to lose in that manner. But just another quick look there at the other quarter final yesterday. Like it's funny because Kerry and Mayo everyone kind of expected that to be the, the game of the weekend uh, but it wasn't really the case was it it was it was really the uh, Armagh match that, that grabbed all the attention Yeah I think uh, Kerry and Mayo got, got a lot of hype before it and it had, they had played I suppose over the years and, and would have been fantastic games yesterday it just seemed to be flat and um, a lot of the talk was uh, Kerry haven't had a, a proper game for four weeks you know, Mayo, Mayo played, played the previous week, but Kerry seemed to be definitely flat. And after about 10 minutes, David Clifford got, picked up an injury. It seemed to be an ankle injury. And every time he seemed to miss, miss a ball or, you know, he, he slipped or one, one or two things happened, he seemed to go down clutching his, his um, ankle. And he did go to the sideline uh, at one stage. Now, I know, heard after that, he, he had to go for a scan this morning on the ankle. He still scored 1-3, but he, he's, there's so much expected of him. And I suppose... You know, it just curtailed him a little bit because he couldn't get out in front. He couldn't win the ball. He normally does. All right, he did get on and scored a goal and scored a couple of points. But the game just seemed to be dead as, as a competition. And Mayo just do what Mayo always do in front of the goal. They just had wide after wide after wide. And um, they, they ended up losing by eight points. I'd say if Kerry, if Kerry were on song, they probably would have bet them by a lot more. But um, they all be very, very disappointed. I'd see if I'm, if I'm not right. I think their manager stepped down after. Uh, yeah. After, yeah, today, yeah. which is disappointing as well because he's brought them so so long and there's so many different players he's after introducing uh, over the last couple of years in championship. But listen, it it, it was a disappointing. But uh, the other games, Derry seems to be the most exciting team actually uh, in in the championship. Their game on the Saturday was was fantastic against Clare. Um, Dublin and Cork wasn't really up up to spec either but Dublin then haven't played for a few weeks either so they just seemed to need the extra game they were always going to beat Cork um, I think they beat them by 11 points in the end but definitely the game the game of the, the season so far had to be Galway and Armagh yeah, definitely. And I'm looking forward now to the semi-finals as well. Um, and it's going to be, I think it's uh, Derry and Galway in, in one semi-final and then uh, Dublin. No, do I have that right, Willie? What's yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Derry, Galway, Dublin, Kerry. Dublin, yeah, Kerry. Right. Yeah, Dublin, Kerry should be a good one, hopefully. And hopefully um, David Clifford can play in that match. But listen, Willie, lovely talking to you as always. Uh, great insights. Thanks a million. And look, we'll, we'll chat to you again soon, please, God. We surely will. Thanks, Sinead. All Thank right. you. Thanks, Will. Thanks a million, Thank Willie. Uh, that was uh, Willie Quinn and their former Carlo footballer. We're going to take a really quick break and up after this, we're going to be talking to Carlo's uh, finest, Molly Scott. So do stay tuned. Full time on KCLOR. Well, thanks to the full range of Volkswagen vehicles at La Hartz, the home of Volkswagen in Kilkenny. LaHartzVolkswagen.ie New Park Shopping Centre Kilkenny, where you'll find what you're looking for. With over 15 shops, including Caesars Fish and Chips, Dry Clean It, McCarthy's Eurospar, New Park Life Pharmacy, plus much more. Visit New Park Shopping Centre today, centrally located and with free parking. New Park Shopping Centre, everything you need in your local friendly neighbourhood. 
full time on KCL or with thanks to the full range of Volkswagen vehicles at La Hartz, the home of Volkswagen in Kilkenny, LaHartzVolkswagen.ie. Welcome back to Full Time with myself, Sinead Keona. I'm just struggling to get through to Molly just at the moment, but we might give her a quick bell there just before the end if we have time. But I just want to read out a quick text that I got in there just during the uh, conversation that I had there uh, with, 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 with Willie Quinlan uh, about Armagh versus Galway yesterday in the All-Ireland quarterfinals. So uh, here it is. Sinead, have the GAA family just gone soft? Do those people never see a Nernie versus uh, Kilbride game back in the 80s. That was just handbags in Crow Park yesterday. It's time those people grew up. That's from Tom Hayes. Yeah, so a lot of people kind of with a similar sentiment, uh, Tom, saying that, look, we need to kind of get over these kind of things. They tend to happen. Things tend to boil over in GAA matches. Um, I don't mind a bit of pushing and shoving and you can kind of understand that. But when it gets to the point, I think, where uh, you have one man putting his his fingers in the eyes of another man, um, I think maybe it has gone um, maybe a little bit too far at that point. Now, I have seen on social media today as well, uh, some people calling for this untogged sub uh, who put his uh, fingers in the eyes of uh, Damien Comer to not only be uh, dropped from the panel, but actually they're they're trying to bring uh, this incident to the attention of his employers as well and try to get him sacked. I don't know if I agree with that. It kind of verges on the um, whole cancel culture sort of uh, sentiment and I'm not too sure if I agree with that. Um, but look, thanks so much Tom for your comment on that. Um, definitely it's going to be something that's going to be discussed a lot more over over the coming days and weeks. Yeah, so as I said, I was trying to get through to Molly Scott there. I, she's a busy lady so I can understand uh, but uh, yeah, Molly unfortunately losing out in the, the women's 100 uh, metre final yesterday at the National Track and field championships in Santry. Um, yeah, she missed out on first place uh, by the finest of margins. I think it was one one hundredth of a second, if you can even comprehend that in your mind. Uh, so really, really tiny, tiny margins there. But uh, the whole of Carlo, very, very proud of uh, of Molly Scott and so they should be. She's uh, achieved amazing things over the last couple of years. Um, so I'm sure she'll push on. She's a very young girl as well. She'll push on and um, she'll she'll go on to achieve more great things in in the coming months and years ahead. That's just about all we have time for on full time today. Hope you all enjoyed the show um, and the discussion and the debate. Uh, do join me back here next week for more of where all of that came from. Up next is Owen Carey. He's going to uh, bring you fully loaded. And yeah, that's just about it. So it's going to be the news next again. Thank you for your company, and I will chat to you again next week. Full time on KCL or with thanks to the full range of Volkswagen vehicles at La Hartz, the home of Volkswagen in Kilkenny, LaHartzVolkswagen.ie.